Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a phenomenal day. We are drawing to a close our series by Greg or Craig Rochelle, Weird Because Normal Isn't Working. And if you have not listened to all of the episodes, uh, I strongly suggest that you do. We covered major, I believe, the five major parts of a person's life, whether it's personal or business, time management, money management, relationship management, sex management. Now we're talking about the value management. How we control the five areas of our lives that are important. And and it's funny because I've had such phenomenal feedback. I wasn't sure because we were we were being weird in doing this series. This is not a a traditional orthodox book on business, and I didn't know how people would respond, but it has been remarkable. And I want to thank everyone for the feedback. Uh, I will make a decision by tomorrow what book we're going to do next. Uh, we're getting into that time period of the year where where goal setting and focusing on the future is important, so I'll probably find something that's going to to work us through this holiday season to keep our minds focused on business. But today, Chapter 14, A Weird Blessing. Charles Dickens said, No one is useless in the world who lightens the burden of it for someone else. You know, I, I love this time of year. Tommy Chenault, one of my phenomenal good friends, radio show host of his own, has a, a foundation where he helps the homeless people in in Longmont, Colorado and, and the surrounding areas of Denver, Colorado Springs and that stuff. And he really gives back to people, let alone what he does in his business life. Jim Gilhouse works extra strong during this season up in Dothan and Enterprise to help the people there that are underprivileged and even more to help those families in the military whose loved ones are still fighting on the front lines to protect us all. When I look at, at everything that we do and, and what it is that we can accomplish, I get I get excited because I realize that we are in a phenomenal time period. So when, when Craig starts talking about a weird blessing and we and we put it in perspective of so many times when people talk about the fake it till you make it, the the building their own business, their what they want, uh, my, my eight-year-old's good at this. I just love him. He's always wanting a new transformer. Daddy, did you get a new client? Because every time I get a new client, a, a portion of my proceeds go to my family, and, and he knows he'll get a portion of that. Craig starts this off, and I think it's a it's a story that's it will probably mean more to pastors than it would anything else. But I want you to think about this for a minute because the underlying key here is what we all need to think about and I'll and I'll bring it home with the story of a of a giant in the network marketing arena who had something similar happen to him. He said early in my ministry as an associate pastor I would often fill in for other preachers. One week my friend Paul invited me to speak at his church while he was on vacation. Sporting my best and only suit, with my shirt ironed and my shoes polished to complete my first impression I arrived plenty and was immediately greeted at the side door by Laura, the church secretary. I've got great news, she was beaming. We have a visitor at church today, so you'd better preach great. Now, I'm all for getting excited when visitors come to church, but it was evident 
from Laura's over-the-top enthusiasm that they were rare commodities at this small, aging church on the south side of our town. As the community had suffered decline, the church kept pace with it, and Paul had confided more than once that he feared the doors might not stay open forever. Boy, that's sad. Curiously, I asked, curious, I asked Laura how she knew the guests would be joining us. She said the woman had called the church that morning and had asked for directions. The caller explained that she had fallen on hard times and was wanting to give church a try. Laura prayed with the caller and said she'd be sure to look for her in the service. Armed with a little extra motivation, I, I too prayed and asked God to use me, the minister, to this hurting lady who would be visiting the church for the first time. Just before the church started, Laura stationed me by the church's big wooden front doors alongside another pillar of the conversation, an older man named Virgil. Within minutes, I could tell Virgil loved his church and took his post at the big wooden door seriously. In between greeting the few dozen members trickling into the building, he started a running monologue about the problems with today's generation. They're rebellious, Virgil barked, complaining that young people aren't respectful of God and his church. In the middle of Virgil's rant, I saw her, the visitor, drive up in a beat-up older car, so dirty I could tell. I could not tell if it was light gray or faded blue. Its balding tires, low on air pressure, squeaked as she turned into the parking lot. Getting out, she revealed she was very dent- she had a very dented driver's side door, saying that she stood out was an understatement. While everyone else entering the church that morning wore suits, dated as they were, or dresses, most of them ankle-length, our visitor closed her door with a cigarette in her hand and displayed an ensemble of tight blue jeans and a slightly tighter sleeveless shirt, which, forgive me for noticing, definitely revealed more than the appeal of the average female. Well, the average female Sunday school teacher, that is. She might have been attractive if life hadn't been if life had been kinder to her. Without judging her, I found my mind pinballing with possibilities. Abusive boyfriend, drug addiction, unemployment, depression, abandonment, all of this and more. As she walked to the church, she took a deep breath, tilted her head slightly, Looking up at Virgil and I, I prayed again, asking God to give me the words to say to encourage her with hope. But my silent prayer was interrupted as Virgil hurled his welcoming grenade at the young lady. We wear our best clothes for God at this church. Is that the best outfit you own, or do you not care what God thinks? No, I desperately wanted to shout. Time collapsed into slow motion, as if I was suddenly caught up with an action-suspense movie, and Virgil had just pressed the detonating button on a bomb beneath us all. My mind scrambled for the best way to undo Virgil's assault. I considered smiling and yelling out, don't mind old Virgil here. He's a little and making the cuckoo gesture. Then I thought about laughing really loud and saying, I think we got her. She really thinks you're serious. Come on in, miss. Uncle Virgil's just been watching too much punked. The darkest part of me, though, wanted to assume the Jason Bourne role and launch myself at Virgil with a punch so hard that he'd meet God face to face. Of course, I realized that would not exactly honor Christ and offer the visitor a much better reason for not sticking around. Instead, I just stood there, frozen in place by my own outrage and uncertainty. And if 
As if on cue, the visitor simply turned, walked back to her clunker of a car, and drove away. Virgil, in his pompousness, mumbled rebellious. Something happened in Craig's heart. He said, I made several promises that I vowed to keep the rest of my life. I committed to resist judging someone who doesn't know God. I promised never to turn anyone away from church because of the way they looked. I vowed never to become someone like Virgil. <clears throat> to bring it home to the to the business community. Shane Rudman is a phenomenal businessman. He's a top income earner and top business builder at Primerica Financial Services. But at 21, he was a long-haired, snot-nosed kid. He went to his first opportunity meeting in gym shorts, a t-shirt, and tennis shoes that weren't even tied, hair halfway down his back. He sat in that meeting that night, and the people in that meeting just kind of snickered as they were there in their business attire, whether it was casual or formal. They listened to everything that was said. Most of them got up and walked out. Never given Primerica a second chance. But something caught in Shane's heart. The last bit of money he had, he signed up. The person that signed him into the business didn't stick around. He left. But Shane, even though he's from a small Kansas town, knew he had a hold of something. Knew he was going to have to move if he was going to make it happen. He'd have to go to Kansas City Overland Park, Lenexa, somewhere. He took a risk. Somebody took a risk on him. And some 25-plus years later, Shane is still one of the top producers, bought his office building for a little over $8 million. When he built his first dream home in a gated community, of the upper elite of Kansas City. He was sitting in the country club one day when an old man came up and sat down beside him and said, Son, what does your dad do so that you can live in such a nice place? And Shane, without batting an eye, looked at him and with as much dignity as he could muster, said, My dad works for me. So many times we judge people by their outside appearance. We get such a pompous attitude, whether we're Christians or not. People that have been hurt in network marketing feel like all network marketers are snakes and all company owners are out to rape and pillage everybody they can. People that have made it in network marketing but don't understand those that don't want to cry how all they are, dull, negative, disillusioned crybabies. And some of us in between take hits from both sides, not knowing quite sometimes who our friends are and who our enemies are. But something I learned a long, long time ago, something that I believe we should ask ourselves to today, no matter what we do in business, no matter what we do in life, everything should revolve around our purpose, our passion, what's driving us, what's the end game that we are seeking out. If what Maxwell and others preach, that success is a journey, then that would mean that our life as a whole is a journey. 
What is the journey that we're on? Craig's heart broke, and I've been where he's at. I remember one day my sons coming home from the youth group, sitting down in front of me and saying, Dad, we don't ever want to go back to church. It's got to be one of the crappiest places to hang out. Caught my attention, and I said, why? They said, friends of ours showed up tonight. And the lady that was in charge of the youth group that night made it clear that they didn't want some of the goth community hanging out in their youth group because it might rub off on their kids. Pretty rough words from teenagers. Sadly, my kids really haven't stepped back into church much since then. I hope they outgrow that and they realize that people have nothing really to do with God, but a judgmental person can change the world. I remember another time some parents telling their daughters they couldn't date my boys because they thought they were too wild. They'd heard stories about their dad. Their lives changed when their daughters got pregnant out of wedlock. And it wasn't for my boys. See, so many times it's easy for us to judge when we're looking on the outside. It's a whole lot different when it's on the inside. Craig said, I realized that day that blessings come in a variety of shapes, colors, and sizes. It's normal to give thanks for the good thing. Thank you, God, for blessing me with health, for a sexy wife, for great kids, for that raise I just got, for that promotion. But what about for the weird blessings? Craig says, God's blessings, however, aren't always bigger, better, and beautiful. In fact, I truly believe that God's gifts he's chosen leaders with are a very unique blessing. You might even call it a weird blessing because most of the time we call it a burden. We call it a trial, a tribulation. As leaders... We get pot shots taken at us all the time. We get people that come at us and nail us hard. Call us everything under the book to make themselves feel better. Without ever looking at our heart, without ever coming to say, what motivates you? Think about that for a second. What is your burden? What is it that drives you so deeply? It angers you, maybe with a righteous anger. But what is it? What is it that if money was no object, your passion would be to do this one thing? Craig writes, remember Popeye the sailor man? You know, the little guy who's got weird arms who... Fights to the finish because he eats his spinach. Talk about propaganda from the old days. He's Popeye the Sailor Man. Toot, toot. Yeah, I know. That'll be in your head the rest of the day. Whenever Brutus showed up, attacked or kidnapped olive oil, Popeye would say, that's it. I'm done. I've reached my limit. He'd squeeze the can of spinach. 
and he would beat up Brutus. You'd think Brutus would learn after a while. What's your Popeye moment? What is it that you're saying, I'm done, I'm drawing the line in the sand? you're a Christian, I truly believe that if you listen, God will show you something. He's probably already put it there and you don't realize it. With my wife, it's kids. She hates seeing kids abused, tormented, put in a bad situation. She will drop everything around her. They become her number one priority in life. She's done it with her own kids, her grandkids. She'll do it with other kids. What is yours? See, my passion is to help people that don't even know they need help, whether it's inside or outside of the network marketing community. It's a driving passion to make sure everybody has the opportunity to fulfill their destiny in life. The ability to take a new generation and create just dynamic leaders at all stages. That's what drives me. I also since I was a teenager, would constantly fight for the underdogs. That's why I love the average network marketing distributor because they are fighting to make it. If you're a Christian, Craig writes this. He says, if we want to grow closer to God, if we want our values to be his values, then we need to become vigilant for opportunities where he wants to bless us with a burden. He wants to move us beyond our self-focused, normal understanding of his blessings into another's focused, extraordinary experience of his character. I watched this with Jeff Foxworthy. A lot of you guys know him as my smarter than a fifth grader in his blue-collar comedy. I just know him as a passionate individual who loves to help people. He put a little crew of people together, and they go to the Atlanta mission to help the homeless, and that has become a driving force in his life. So what can we do? What is it that we can do that will draw us? What is it that we can help help pull us towards that right direction? Here's a few things Craig talks about. <clears throat> Craig talks about. Number one, building blocks and broken pieces. What breaks your heart? What is it in life that moves you to tears or turns your stomach? What injustice crushes you, and if you let it, would keep you awake at night? Mine, it's the sex trafficking of children and women. I think it's worse than old-time slavery of the blacks or the orientals, Asians, whatever we call them. For Nehemiah, it was the fact that the city that he had, his forefathers had built was laid in ruins. What is it that drives you? See, that is going to be the catalyst for Martin Luther King. It was the fact that a hundred years after the outline of slavery, for the most part, the black community was still enslaved. So he had a dream. He did not live to see his dream come true. But he was the catalyst that changed a lot of the thought processes in a lot of the areas of the United States. 
What is yours? What is it that drives you? There's people in need worldwide. There's causes worldwide. What is it that drives you? B.K. Bareko, founder of Vima, happens to be under nourished children. He will go out of his way to help those people. What's yours? Number two, you need a righteous anger. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're not talking about pet peeves. We're talking about something that drives you almost to the brink of murder, so to speak. Read the story of Moses. When he saw that his people, the Hebrews, were being tormented one day, he beat to death an Egyptian. Is that anger? Maybe for you it's terrorism, global warming, something else. I don't know. There's a one percenter biker organization got started in 2006 called the uh, Infidels. They're all military guys that are most of them currently still fighting. They picked their name because the Muslims called America infidels, and that's exactly what these guys are. They want to go out there and bring together and build freedom for everyone. Number three, when you care enough to send the very best. Listen to how Craig writes this. Many people may be heartbroken, but not enough to take action. Others may be outraged and rant about the problem frequently but offer no solution. If you really want to discover and develop the burden that uniquely connects you to the heart of God, you have to have courage. You have to take risk. You have to do something. I'll take this away for a minute from God and just put it. I've got a couple of my friends, Brent Hansen and, and Michael Collins. And these guys have a driving passion to clean up the network marketing arena. They're taking action. They're doing something. Sadly, so many others don't. They just talk about it over and over and over. It drives me crazy. you got to do it and do it and do it. you got to push and push and push. If you want to make it happen, you've got to go for it. That's how I've always known when I was in the will of God, I'd have a burden that just wouldn't go away. So you got to, it goes back to my question, if money was no object, what would you do the rest of your life? Sadly, most people would say I'd go travel, I'd buy a new house, a boat, I'd, I'd, do, I'd give my kids everything. They, they, they don't realize that this is a Mother Teresa moment, so to speak doesn't mean you're giving up your wealth. Money's no object. Get that. It means that you're so driven to change something. But see, normal people, they just want to live a burden-free life themselves. See, you're not weird yet. You're like everybody else. But what happens if we start looking around at what other people need? Craig writes, instead of living for normal blessings, what if you took a moment to give your newest and admittedly odd blessing a name? God puts you on this earth as a divine with a divine assignment, something prepared in advance for you to do. What is it? Write down this sentence and then see if you can fulfill it later. My weird blessing is to have a burden for, boom. 
doesn't take a lot of money nowadays to make a difference in the world. The Internet has really opened up some doors for all of us. There's a story that I'd once heard, and Craig used it here, and I want you to think about this. This helped me because I told you guys, some days I feel like I'm by myself out there trying to, to raise the standards in an industry that it, it truly has some really funky characters in it. Here's what he writes. One day an older gentleman was strolling down the beach and saw a younger boy frantically picking up stranded starfish and throwing them back into the ocean. Noticing hundreds if not thousands of displaced starfish that have washed up on the shore, the polite gentleman laughed softly as he approached the eager boy. Hey there, young'un, he said compassionately. You really shouldn't waste your time. There's too many of them. You'll never be able to make a difference. Looking up, the boy held a single starfish in the palm and suddenly hurled the creature full force into the ocean. I made a difference for that one, he said, and continued on his mission. When you break out of the normal mode and allow your burden to grow, chances are good that it will be fertile ground. We couldn't help everybody during the hurricanes, but we helped one family. Dalton couldn't raise money for everybody that's been a victim of an arsonist, but he could help one family. It all starts with one. Don't give up. Focus. Don't worry about the masses. Focus about that one person. When you hear all the, the noise of doubt, remember that you can't do everything, but you can do something. That if you touch the life of one person, that's all that matters. Because as you grow, as your burden grows, as you bring more people around you, you will help more people. That's the key right there. Tomorrow, the last chapter, just one thing. I think you're going to love it, and we'll work on to something new for the following weeks ahead. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow morning right here for RealMentorsRadio.com.